I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Colossians chapter 4, will you grab your Bible? Colossians chapter 4, I want to read for you verses 2 through 6. I want to take just kind of a transition Sunday here and uh, spend a minute talking a little bit about the past and the present and the future. And I just uh, simply entitled the sermon today, The State of the Church. The State of the Church. And as I was pondering uh, about that, I felt like the Lord led me to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, to kind of give us three or four things to think about uh, and to be challenged by as we move into this new season for us as a church, the fall season, our discipleship ministry, and even as the Lord has led us uh, in these last few weeks to see our church become debt-free. And I'll say more about that in just a minute. Let me read the text, can I? Colossians chapter 4, uh, verses 2 through 6. Uh, as we read these verses, think about them as Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, and it's kind of his final instructions. He's saying these are the things that really you need to keep on your heart and your mind. And I believe these admonitions are, are very uh, pertinent. They're very relevant for right now, all right? Real time in this day, the body of Christ, as we look around, we assess what's going on, we look at our families, we see the world, we see the trajectory of the church. What do we need to be doing? Well, here it is. Paul lays it out. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is the word of the Lord. God, I thank you for your word, the authority of it that I have today. I have nothing to talk about or emphasize or any points to make that would be applicable to the Christian life or to our church apart from the Scriptures. And so I thank you for these verses, these five verses that now will admonish us, challenge us, and encourage us. Lord, I want to thank you for the Point Church and all that you have done and are doing and will do. It's our desire to listen to your voice, be obedient to the Holy Spirit, and to be like the sons of Issachar in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 as they were very aware to the times and the seasons and they knew what Israel ought to do. Help us as pastor, pastoral staff, our leaders of our church, help us to always be alert to what the Lord wants us to do. I pray now that you will challenge us from these verses. I pray that you would save the sinner that's nearest hell, bring uh, conviction, Holy Spirit, conviction and awareness and salvation and 
and just do eternal work and bear eternal fruit in our lives today, we pray in Christ's name. And God's people said, amen. It was August the 18th of 2004 that uh, our family, the Coleman family, rolled into town in a U-Haul. That's 18 years ago uh, that we've been a part of the Point Church. And I'm grateful for that. What a blessing it is from God that He would allow us to be here and for me uh, to be the senior pastor of the church. In just a few weeks, we'll celebrate 59 years uh, that this church has been here in the Interrarity Point community. And it just hit me this morning. Uh, we've been able to be here for about a third of the existence of the church. And uh, God, God has been so good. Uh, I, I thought this week about all the people through the years that have been saved and baptized and discipled and loved on and encouraged uh, through the ministry of this church. I mentioned uh, the first Sunday of July about the gentleman that pulled into the church parking lot uh, after the service, and he just said, hey, I just want to pull through here. Uh, I was, as a kid, discipled in Awana and loved, and now he is a senior pastor in the state of Tennessee, and he just wanted to say to somebody, this church had a great uh, impact on my life. There are a lot, a lot of stories like that. Uh, we finished up a great uh, milestone for our church, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, and paying off our debt. Thank you for giving sacrificially to that. And then thank you for the way you give on a regular, ongoing basis so that the work of God continues uh, to go forward. How many of you have discovered, as Pastor Wesley said last week, he loves to hear the testimonies around his church of people that say, you know, when I just faithfully give, it's amazing how it just all works out. Uh, how many of you found out that you can't outgive God and that God loves a cheerful giver? I found that to be true in our family. And so we're grateful for those who've been recently saved and baptized. Real quick, we're going to have a baptism on August 28th out at the beach. If you need to be baptized, we're going to uh, have another one then. I thank God for the discipleship that's going on. I'm grateful for the missions and the ministry that is going on through our church. I want you to think of the Point Church as just being a conduit, if you will, through which life and the gospel flows through and out from this place. We are blessed right now to be a part of touching lives literally all over the world. And I don't have time to lay out every single one of them, but let me just focus on a couple if I may. I received these pictures this week from Pastor Orlando in the Philippines. Uh, we have a sister church there, the Point Church, and they have been meeting outdoors for years, have never had a place really to call their church a house of worship. And I want you to see what's being built there to the glory and honor of the Lord. Several years ago, uh, Dick Rodriguez and I were in the Philippines. I looked there because he usually sat right there. He's with the Lord now. But while we were there, we were able to help them purchase the metal frame uh, to have a covering just to be out of the rain and to have, uh, you know, keep the sun from beaming down on them while they were having church. And uh, to make a long story short, we had no idea that that frame was going to come down and it was going to go to a new location, and they were going to put that frame up and add a little bit to the top of it, and then to put some cinder block around the edges and begin to form a church building. They've never had a church building. They'll have, i go to the next one there if you would, Charlie. Uh, they'll have, uh, of course, doors and windows and so forth, and, and this whole building is going to cost about $7,000. Now, many of you have given, and and we were, we've been able to bless them and, and to be a part of the Lord's work. Just a few weeks ago, uh, they were able to baptize over uh, uh, 10 people uh, once again. We have, in the last few weeks, had IMB missionaries in this service uh, gathering with us. 
uh, and the main reason that I don't recognize them is due to uh, being online and so forth and not saying where they're at and what they're doing uh, because they're in places that they're not supposed to be. But we're a part of that, uh, a part of that ministry, literally, of the gospel going around the world. Uh, we have currently partnerships in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Earl Hammonds will be with us on August the 2nd. Uh, this year, uh, we started uh, helping a church plant in Brazil. It's on the eastern side of the country here on the Knob in the city of Brazil. And just uh, three or four weeks ago, I think it was, I showed the staff some pictures that I received of about 10 people that were getting into a pool in a backyard uh, to be baptized that had come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. I rejoice with that today. Uh, we have partnerships. Brother Mark Don was with us last week, Liberia, Africa, Togo, Africa. And then our IMB missionaries literally are scattered all over the world, over 4,000 of them now that we are networked with. Here in the United States, we, uh, of course, uh, in Canada, we helped with a church plant in Montreal. Uh, we helped with a church plant in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, that church has now planted another church, has grown to a point where it was able to, to multiply. We helped uh, Christ a Family Church down in Miami for three years. They were able to get into a new location, and uh, that church is doing great. And so we thank God that we were able to be a part of that process. So we've got international, we've got uh, the United States, and then locally. Uh, we are feeding children. We've done it this summer. Uh, we will do it going into the school year. As school starts, uh, children will go home on Fridays with a backpack of food that will feed them and uh, help them make it through the week, uh, the weekend having nutrition. Uh, we are involved in military ministry uh, here at our church. And I, I see some new faces today, guys and girls. I'm going to guess some of you are in the military. We want you to know how glad we are that you're here. And uh, we want to minister to you and help you in any way that we can. Uh, I was able to meet a few minutes this week with Brother Jason and uh, Miss Samantha Brindle, who are missionaries with Crew uh, Ministries. Jason, stand up. I didn't, didn't have this plan, but I'm going to have you do that. Jason's with Crew Ministries and Samantha. And then uh, Brother Juntin and Mark, uh, would y'all stand? The Juntin stand up. Uh, they are with Campus Crusade. Uh, Navigators, I said, I said Campus Crusade. They're with Navigators. And they are full-time focused on the, the military. Doug, I want you to stand up. Doug is doing uh, Every Man a Warrior, uh, which is uh, discipleship. Got a lot of uh, guys and girls involved in that. Brother Steve Dracos, haven't seen him today. I know he's doing a lot out there. Last uh, Sunday night, Brother Joe and some of our music folks uh, went out and led the worship service in the chapel uh, for Sunday night worship out there. And we just did some planning as we met this week. And talked about ways that we can better serve and do ministry. Thank you all. Be seated. I want uh, our military guys and girls to know these folks. And if you've got any questions about discipleship, I want you to see them. We've got some plans uh, to, to do even greater things and bringing some transportation in to, to help on Sundays and so forth. Uh, we continue to support pregnancy crisis centers uh, here in uh, town, and we support the one in Baldwin County. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me share this with you just so you know. We are doing our best uh, to help people with counseling. Uh, our Pensacola Bay Baptist Association provides a counseling center, and so we're able to help people get in and get the help they need. We've helped with adoption and foster care. And, and I want you to think for just a minute, if you would, about where God has placed us. God in His sovereign plan has placed us right here 
on uh, Interrarity Point Road. Has anybody noticed that things are changing around here? Anybody noticed that? Some of you that grew up in this neighborhood are, well, I don't know if you're laughing or not, uh, because things are just rapidly changing. Uh, we see uh, growth here on Interrarity Point Road. Uh, someone said to me this week, what's happening out there behind the church? I said, it looks like we got a bad haircut this week, right? Uh, there's 231 uh, townhomes that are coming in right behind our church here. I mean, like their property is right up against our property. And so we'll have a lot of people moving into our neighborhood. And while I certainly know that we're going to have greater traffic issues, I also know that God has placed us right here for such a time as this. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to sit around and gripe about the traffic? We'll probably do some of that. But how many of you believe it would be God's perfect will that we see that sometimes we go to the mission field and at other times the mission field comes to us? So that's how we have to see it. And so as I was thinking about today and we're kind of getting into the fall and we're back in school and, and uh, kind of getting back into a routine and we have uh, our discipleship ministries ramping up and the fall in front of us, I was praying, Lord, what, where would you direct us for us to get our hearts and our minds set on the gospel and set on Christ. And I felt like the Lord brought me here to this passage. And I think Paul gives just four things in Colossians 4, 2 through 6 that I believe are really good challenges for us right now in real time as we think about where we are and where God is going to take us. Look at verse number 2. The first thing Paul says is persist in prayer. Persist in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. The, the preposition and the word there in the original language, it's saying to, to persist courageously, to continue on in prayer. Is there anybody in the room that would just admit in the house of God today that sometimes you get a little weary in your prayer life? Is there anybody that would be honest enough to say in your walk with Jesus at times, You've had this feeling, I don't even know if this prayer thing is even working. Because sometimes we pray, and we're asking God for certain things, and we have desires on our heart, and we, we want something. But it seems like those answers don't come on our time schedule, in our time frame. I think really that is primarily because sometimes we don't really remember what prayer is all about. What is prayer? Prayer is about us lining our desires up with God's will. That we pray for God's will to be done. It's a discipline of the Christian life to continue on, to be steady, to be consistent in prayer. In our leadership pipeline that we've been doing uh, for the last year and a half, we have read through the book by Donald Whitney on Christian disciplines, and he says the number one discipline of the Christian life is consistent, steady Bible intake. In other words, you need to be reading your Bible. You need to be studying your Bible. You need to be in public worship with a pastor, preacher, preaching the Bible to you. Bible intake is necessary for the Christian life. But right behind that and very closely tied to that is prayer. Christians, the Christian life is fueled by prayer. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand today, but I wonder... How many of you were like Pastor John and I this week as we were over on Navy Boulevard and we were coming this way. He's in the passenger seat and I'm driving. And I looked down 
and my gas needle was below empty. How many of you are like me that occasionally you like to live by faith? And, and, and you like to say, you know, John, I'm a member of the Sip and Save at the Circle K. And I want a cup of coffee, and I think I can make it from Navy Boulevard back down to Perdido Key. And by this time, my gas needle is below empty. And I'm not going to tell you it was divine intervention, but I kept coming down Sorrento Road. And as I watched that needle, it just kind of it just kind of moved up just a little bit, you know, and then it went up just above the E. And I said to John, John, it's such a blessing to me to know that you as a good staff man at the Point Church have volunteered to walk and get us some gas if we don't make it. And guess what? We made it. We made it. When you think about that, I really believe there are a lot of Christians that kind of feel that way in their Christian life. I'm just trying to make it. I'm running low. So let me ask you this. Let me turn that around just a little bit and say, how are you doing in your prayer life? Donald Whitney says, if you want your Christian walk to be fueled, you got to get in the Word and you've got to get into the prayer closet. I love it when people say about this church that we are a Bible church. Hey, our pastor, Pastor John or Pastor Joe or Pastor Wesley, Pastor Not, whoever preaches, we are a Bible church. I'm proud of that. I'm thankful for that. But I want to admit to you today that I sure hope in the future I can hear more people say, there's one thing about our church. We're a praying church. We pray. We seek the Lord. I was listening to Pastor Jim Cimbala, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. And some of you have been there with us uh, on our journeys to Israel. We've gone to church there on Sunday I was listening to a podcast with him a couple of weeks ago, and these three pastors were interviewing him, and I kind of chuckled a little bit at some of the questions they asked him. I think they thought he was going to answer it a certain way, and he really didn't. He went a totally different direction. But he was talking about uh, the early part of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. He took over a church that his father-in-law pastored, and to be quite honest, or he says to be honest, it was just an abysmal situation. He said there were 12 or 13 people coming there. He said, I wasn't a very good preacher. My sermons were bad. And if I knew they were bad, certainly they knew they were bad. Nobody wanted to be there. He said, I didn't want to be there. They didn't want to be there. And I'm going, what am I doing? I'm here in Brooklyn, New York. How are we going to reach these people? How are we going to grow this church? And so he began to ask around and get some advice and get some input. And God carried him through a lot of different situations and circumstances to bring him to the point of saying, that you're seeking out the wrong things. God led him to start a Tuesday night prayer meeting in Brooklyn, New York. It still goes on right now. Tuesday nights, Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn Tabernacle. Everybody knows at 5 o'clock, people are going to start walking through those doors and they're going to get down their knees at the chairs and across the stage. And then at 7 o'clock, they come in and they have a public prayer gathering. And he will tell you very, very quickly that what God has done in Brooklyn, New York, is not because they came up with a new marketing plan. It's because they got on their knees and they began to pray. And they began to seek the Lord. God said, my house, my house will be a house of prayer. It's why Martin Luther said, as it is the business of tailors to make suits and cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. So I just want to ask the Point Church today, 
How's business? How's business in your life? I was sitting there and I was just writing some things down the other day and this thought came to me. If I'm devoted to God, I will be devoted to prayer. And if I am devoted to prayer, I will be devoted to God. Devotion. Commitment to Him. How about the church? The point church. Are we committed to prayer? We're living in a day today where churches are falling into the trap of tricks and events and gimmicks to do the work of the Lord. And God is saying to His church, I want you on your knees. I want you seeking Me. I want you to seek My help, to seek My power. Every Sunday morning at 8.30, we have a prayer team that's meeting here at the church in the cafe. Bruce and Isabel, would y'all stand up? I see y'all. I think that's y'all. My glasses are a little foggy. Bruce and Isabel back here, they lead our prayer team on Sunday morning, 8.30, Connecting Point Cafe. I would love for people to just be out in the hall and not be able to get in there as we are devoting ourselves to prayer. Devotion. I noticed on the calendar this Wednesday night, the ladies have a prayer night. And I want you to hear me for just a minute. I have no desire at all, no desire to be legalistic, or to sound like and what I'm about to say that only the spiritual people will show up. It's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. I am saying, is there something inside of you right now, Christian? Ladies, grandmothers, moms, is there something inside of you that is saying the, the trajectory of the world, the situation of my family, the direction my children are going, the way my adult children are living their life. In what I'm seeing, in my heart, I am craving to come together with God's people in a corporate manner to fervently pray and seek God. To say, this is so important. And how about this? How about a spirit of anticipation? That you pray, and you don't pray like I've prayed so many times. Faithless prayers. God, I'm going to ask you to do this, but I know you're probably not. But how about a prayer that says, I'm expecting God to do something new in my church. I'm expecting God, I'm anticipating, I'm craving God to move in a supernatural way in my son's life, in my daughter's life, in my grandchildren's life. I can do nothing but pray and seek the Lord and persist in prayer. That's why Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, pray without ceasing. Listen, it's not about putting 6.30 on the calendar Wednesday night. It's about praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and then coming together and praying and then praying some more and then praying till Jesus comes. Persisting in prayer. We need to be praying for our community. We need to be praying for our schools. We need to be praying for our leaders. Pray, pray, pray. So I want to ask you to bow your head. Will you do that? Make an altar there out of your heart. And we're going to pray. I want to ask you to pray 
as we do every month, the first Sunday of the month is always an extra time of prayer. We're going to pray right now for our families. We're going to pray for our teachers for the school year. Public, private, families that homeschool. I want to ask you to join me in prayer now. Will you do that? God, I, I, I sense in my spirit now in this room there's a whole lot of people saying yes. 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 I'm craving it. A supernatural move and work of God that only comes through prayer and your sovereign plan. The psalmist did not write, be noisy and know that I'm God. He wrote, be still and know that I'm God. So we want to be still. Just still. God, I lift up in Rarity Point Road. Through these years, we have knocked on most of the doors. We've driven down the streets praying. We've walked and we've prayed. And Lord, we know that our neighborhood is growing and rapidly changing. We're thankful for all of our new neighbors. And we know that it's a wonderful opportunity for us to love them and show the love of Jesus. So help us to do that with clean hands and a pure heart, with pure motives and intents. Lord, we thank You for all the families as we've seen demographics of this area and all the children that are in Bailey Middle School and Helen K. Rowe and then Escambia High School is our designated high school for this area. We think of the Christian schools in town and all the homeschooling families. Lord, we pray for this school year as we begin that this would be a fruitful school year, that as we get sometimes weary, that we would not be weary in well-doing, and we would remain focused and steady and, and, and stay after the task ahead. Lord, I pray for all those that teach and try to educate that you'll give spiritual stamina and wisdom for this time and this season, Lord, to nurture the hearts of the children and to truly love them. Remind us that we are always salt and light. And then I pray for the children, Lord. I pray that this school year would be a productive school year. I pray that it would be fruitful. I pray that true education would take place. I pray, Lord, that you would bind the mouth of those that are trying to teach our children godless and perverted things that do not line up with your word. I pray that the Christian teachers would stay focused on educating the children and exemplifying the love of Christ. I pray for protection for all of our schools. Lord, watch over and keep our children safe. And I think about the school in Texas that's going to start back in Uvalde and what they've gone through. Lord, I, I just pray that you'd bless that community and, and uh, those families, Lord. We pray that 
You would be with the leaders, the administrative leaders of all the schools and the education system, Lord. I pray that there would be a sense of God awareness and respect toward our Creator. I pray, Lord, that the school year would be a good school year for academics and spiritual progress in our county. And then on top of that, help all the churches that are in these communities to be the hands and feet of Jesus that we need to be. And Lord, we give this year to you and we pray for your blessings on it. And I pray that everyone in this room will continue to uh, be persistent and remain in prayer as we pray uh, for the education of our children. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. It's wonderful to have prayer like that together. It's even greater for us to keep on praying, right? Keep on praying. Persist in prayer. Don't stop. Keep it up. I think that's a challenge for my heart this fall as I lead and as I, I try to pastor the church. Persist in prayer. There's something that Paul ties with that here in verse number 2. He says, persist in prayer while you're doing it. Be watchful and do it with thanksgiving. How many of you have been guilty like me before? And you've gone to God in prayer and it's been more in frustration or desperation and, and, and maybe as I said a minute ago, faithlessness. But you went, you went to God and you prayed and you told Him all the things that you needed to do and then after you said amen, you thought, I didn't thank Him for anything. How many of you believe Christians ought to be the most thankful people? Thankful as we pray, we do it with thanksgiving. But he says something else about it. He says that we, we pray and we're being watchful. We're being alert. There's prayer with anticipation. Most of the places in the New Testament where this word watchful is used, it is used in the context of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe today with all my heart that Jesus is coming again. I believe he could come at any moment. As a matter of fact, I was listening to a preacher preach on YouTube this week, an older pastor, it was his last sermon, and with his finger he's pointing at the crowd and he says this, I challenge anybody in this room to come to me after the service and show me one verse in the Bible that has to be fulfilled before Jesus comes again. And he finished it up by saying, there's not one. In other words, Jesus could come at any moment. The question is whether or not we are ready. As we pray, the picture he gives here is that we're praying, but we're peeking. We're looking toward the eastern sky. And we know that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. We pray with anticipation. But the word watchful here is really used in an even broader sense that as we pray, we look around us and we see what's going on and that leads us in how we pray. Anybody in the room today just testify for a minute and say, we've got way too much to pray for. There's a lot to pray about, isn't there? Much to pray about. That's why R. Kent Hughes said this. He said, it's a habit of prayer that demands mental alertness to the dangers of life and the needs of those around us and awareness which can at any moment launch us into fervent prayer. We're living in a day today where we as the church, the body of Christ, we need discernment. 
We need awareness. We understand that the gospel, the word of God is under attack. We understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being made a mockery. We understand that there are people today who have a building and a church sign out front, but they are preaching a perverted gospel and a perverted word that are snatching and drawing people away that are weak and vulnerable. And that reminds me, even as we saw these children walk out of here, and even as we think about the ministry that we have in front of us, that we need to be praying for our children that the enemy would not snatch them away that they would not be deceived in these days. We must remain alert. We must remain vigilant. Look in verse number 4, Paul's desire. His desire is to make the Word of God clear. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. He wants to have his mind set on truth, his mind set on the gospel. So, so the second point that we see is not only that we persist in prayer, but as Christians, it is time for us to strive for mental focus. To strive for mental focus. To be watchful. To get our minds right. To think clearly. And as we think clearly, that leads us in how we answer every man. We are called as Christians to share our faith. And I would say Christians today need to be sharing a very clear gospel. We are to be prepared to answer, 1 Peter chapter 3, for the hope that is within us. Now listen to me, I love talking with people about their salvation. I love leading people to Christ. But I want you to hear me. It is not right or best for a Christian to say, I've got to get them to Pastor Tim so he can save them. No, it is your responsibility to speak of the hope that is in you. What did Pastor Wesley say last Sunday? He said, tell your story, right? This is my story. Sometimes we feel like we don't have a good presentation or maybe we're going to say the wrong thing. No, get that out of your mind and realize that God will use your messy presentation of you just saying what God has done in your life. He'll use that to make a difference in somebody else's life. We're watchful. We've got to get our minds right. We've got to get our minds clear. Christians should pray and seek the Lord and, and, and have our minds set on things above, not on things on this earth. The truth is, that's where most of us live day by day and week by week. There's a war going on between our ears, isn't it? And we think about so many things. And I believe God's calling us to get our minds right, to be watchful in all things, and to set our mind on things above. Why is that important? Well, look at the third thing that I believe we need to be doing in these days. We need to look for God interruptions. Paul said, as you're praying, at the same time, pray for us. Now, where is Paul in this moment? He answers that question down on in the chapter. Where is he? Verse number three, he's in prison, right? Now, if I were in control, I would say that the greatest missionary, the greatest church planner, the greatest evangelist at this time I would say because of the need to spread the gospel that we would not need him to be in prison. But God has him exactly where 
He wants him. Christian, will you put your eyes on me for just a second? God sent me here today to remind you that God has you exactly where he wants you. He has you exactly where he wants you. You know why? Because he's working his purposes and his plan in your life. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 11, another moment, the letter to the church at Philippi, he says, the things that have happened to me. In other words, the reason I'm in jail right now, they have happened to me for the advancement of the gospel. He goes on to say, as a matter of fact, the news of Christ and the cross and the gospel, it has made it all the way through the imperial guard and it would have never happened unless I'd been arrested and sent to jail. That just reminds me today that even in the midst of your hardship, in the midst of your suffering, God has you right where He wants you for a purpose and for His plan. What does He want us to do? He wants us to pray for open doors. Look for God interruptions. God, open the door. Now here's what I know about Christians because of statistics that I have read that say 95% of Christians in the evangelical church have never led one person to Jesus. Can we let that settle for just a minute? I don't say that just to make you feel bad or put you on a guilt trip. I say that for an awareness of how that matches up against the calling on our life. And that is to just share our faith right? So when you see the phrase open doors, open doors in the New Testament, it's used five or six times, and it's always in the context of evangelistic outreach, that you tell your story of what Jesus has done in your life. I had a man on Friday uh, tell me, he said, yeah, he said, my neighbor's car was broken down, and uh, he was struggling with it. He said, I went over there, I began to help him, and we worked on it together, and then he got to that point where he began to pivot and he began to talk about the Lord. And he shared the gospel and told him about what Christ had done in his life and how much he needed the Lord. And guess what? He said the guy didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't believe in all that. And guess what? He's going to stand before God and give an account for his life one day. The point is not that it's your job to change or save anybody. It's our job to tell people of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just tell it. Just tell your story. Look for God interruptions when you're sitting there waiting for your tire to be fixed. Look for God interruptions when you're in the doctor's office or you're in the grocery line or maybe you're walking through your neighborhood or wherever. Look for opportunities. Look for God interruptions. As more and more people are piling in around us, we've got more and more people that need to hear the story. The story of the old rugged cross. So look for God interruptions. Look for open doors and opportunities. And let me, let me finish up with the fourth thing I think Paul is saying here. He's saying that we should always speak grace and truth. Speak grace and truth. Look at verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Now who are outsiders? Outsiders are people that are not in the body of Christ. That means they're lost. They don't know Jesus. Friends, I, I need to remind you today, the world, the world is becoming more and more lost. 
Okay? I also need to remind you that the Bible is true. That we are living in a day of the great falling away. I, I had two conversations this morning with families that just walked in the door visiting this church, and the conversation was exactly the same. So many churches are getting away from the Bible, the Word of God. I see things on a, on a daily and weekly basis. I'm talking about ungodly things, wicked, th evil things under the banner of the church. The gospel of Jesus Christ is... Now, I'm not saying everywhere. I'm not saying every church. I'm just saying across the board, your Bible says this is what's going to happen. And guess what? I'm telling you, you ain't going to stop it. The falling away is going to be a falling away. And so people are falling away from the Scripture, falling away from, from the Bible. And sometimes when you've got a lost world and then you've got people that you love going the wrong direction, it becomes really hard to walk in wisdom and know how to speak. Anybody in the room can kind of, we can kind of have a therapy club. It's pretty easy for you to get fired up about truth. That's me. But Paul says we need to walk in wisdom toward those that are outside the church. What is he going to say? He says, as we, as we speak to them, number one, make the best use of your time. Look at me, Christian. We can talk all day about fishing and football and politics. At some point, we need to get around to the best thing. And that's our Lord and Savior who died on the cross for us. Hey, speak up for Jesus. Make best use of your time. Don't have someone that you know well for a long period of time and they pass away and you say, you know, I wish I'd have spoke to them. What? What? Can I get an amen right there? We're Christians. Speak up for the Lord. Make the best use of your time. And then as you speak, this is so important, verse 6, let your speech Always be gracious. Now look at that word right there, gracious. As I drilled down on that word, here's what I found. It kind of goes two directions. One, Paul is clearly saying, let your speech always be about divine grace. Let your speech always be about what Jesus has done in your life. Why in the world would a pastor need to get up and prod and poke and guilt trip Christians into talking about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody say, oh me, right there. It just doesn't make sense, right? So, so when we talk about evangelism, this is just something that ought to be in all of our DNA. It, it just ought to be who we are, right? We're going to talk about the Lord. We're going to let people know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Paul is saying that you're going to speak about divine grace. Galatians, uh, the series title is Stay in the Grace of God. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. In other words, I didn't save myself. I wasn't good enough. I didn't do a, a bunch of good works that piled up and got me in. No, grace is the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. If you're saved today, then you know all about what amazing grace really means. It is amazing that God Loved the world so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross so that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. How many of you believe that's the best news today? I mean, I mean ain't nothing better than that. 
That's better than gas prices coming down, right? I mean, come on. Jesus saved me. It's divine grace poured out on my life. That is in my speech. That is in my DNA. That is who I am. But there's also another element. Scholars say as the audience there at Colossae read this letter out loud, here's what they heard Paul say. They heard divine grace, but they also heard him challenge them to be witty and winsome. Gracious. Okay, that's the word. In other words, when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't be a jerk. Don't be angry. Don't be caustic and bombastic and like you're almost glad that you can speak condemnation over someone's life. No, you speak to them in graciousness and kindness knowing that you and I, we are nothing apart from the grace of God. We are nothing. And your desire and your burden is that they would know Christ, that you're kind and your speech is seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer every man. Now let me focus and I'm done, all right? Y'all say amen right there. I'm almost done. Seasoned with salt. We know what that is, right? Come on now. I like salt on stuff. So that you may know. Now watch. What do you need to know? You need to know how you ought to answer each person. There's one area in the church, the body of Christ, that we as pastors identify. We talk about this. This is our life. This is our conversation. And we're trying our best to wrap our arms around it. One area in the church where we have not done as good a job as we could have done through the years is this matter of helping people grow in the knowledge, grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been really good at events. Having events, tell people about the cross, Jesus died on the cross, pray this prayer, sign the card, you're good to go, and then we move on to the next event. Jesus did not say, Go out and get decisions. Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples. There's an investment there. There's time involved in that. It's specific. It's a part of life. There are way too many, put that verse back up, Charlie. There, there are way too many Christians that feel, just hear me a minute. If you disagree with me, we can talk about it. But you're wrong. There are way too many Christians that feel like, you know, I just don't know a lot about the Bible. Or, I don't really know. And look, we're all learning, right? We're never going to have it all figured out. Ever. But we're all on a journey of pursuing the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something? you got to work at that. you got to be intentional in that. And that takes effort. It doesn't happen accidentally. You are supposed to work and live in such a way that you're learning and you're growing and you're getting a deeper knowledge and a grasp of the Scriptures and, and, and what divine grace really is so that when somebody asks you a question or someone that's lost needs to hear about creation all the way to eternity, you 
know how you ought to answer each person. Now, now hear me for just a minute. We, I believe, if you want to grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I really believe this. I really believe you're at the right church. And I don't mean that like we're the only church. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying at all. We got a lot of good friends and churches in this town that we partner with and network together that have the same heart we have. But if God would put you here on this road and bring you into this church, I believe that you are at a place that has the heart to be a greenhouse to help you grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do our best to be intentional in the way we teach, in our discipleship and what we offer. And I want to just hit that running for just a minute, if I can. On Wednesday night, August the 17th, uh, the leaders came to me and said, we want to start back having a wanna here at the church and teaching our kids scripture memorization in an organized format. And so many of you said yes and jumped forward and we're having meetings and organization. And so here's what I'm saying to our church family. I'm just saying, hey, we're doing this not because we need something to do on Wednesday night, but we want to join arms and join hands together and say, hey, this is a greenhouse here and we're a family and let's watch our kids grow up in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I would say this, number one, get your kids here. I don't need to say this, but I'm going to. As a pastor, it seems sometimes that it's a whole lot more convenient to get our kids to soccer and dance and baseball and band and cheerleading than it is to the house of God. Forgive me. So we want to help our kids grow. We want them to grow in the grace and knowledge. That's why Pastor John on Wednesday night is doing intentional discipleship in our 6th through 12th graders. It is Bible-focused, Bible-saturated, growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have adult Bible study groups that are going across our church at a, ver a variety of times, including Sunday morning and during the week. On Wednesday night, I want to focus for just a minute that, that we have our midpoint where we have dinner, and then we go into intentional discipleship. There's a, a Daily Grace women's Bible study. There's a, a, a the, the Gospel on the Ground women's Bible study. There is men's discipleship groups going on. There is, there is every man a warrior. The other night, Doug, I want you to stand up one more time. I want you to stand up one more time. And then I want everybody to see you. Then I want you to sit down because you're not very pretty to look at. But the other night, I'm telling you, the other night, just hear me for a minute. Doug invited us to an every man a warrior discipleship group. I came down here. It was on a Wednesday night. I walked through those doors over there. And I was expecting about eight or nine guys to show up and listen to your spill. There were over 50 men packed in that room right there. That said, that said, we're here because we're ready to get serious. We want to grow and we want to help other men grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men, if you're serious about that and you're wondering where am I going, see Doug after the service today. Let me say one more thing. About a year and a half ago, I started a leadership pipeline here at the church. I felt the Lord was leading me to take some men in the church deeper in theology, Bible study, hermeneutics, lesson, sermon preparation. We finished up three semesters. There's a reason why I did not come to this pulpit and say, y'all come. I intentionally invited 
And I intentionally said to these men that this process is not casual. It's not come a week and then the next week decide, well, you know, I think I'll stay home or we'll go buy groceries. Nope, this is, this is like a Bible college and a seminary class. You want to drive down deeper in the Word. You want to be better equipped because, not because you want to graduate, but because you want to be a part of God's kingdom in advancing making disciples. We finished up our third semester. You heard those guys preach back to, uh, on Memorial Day. And we've got some that need to circle around and get a semester or two more. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm telling you that on August 17th in this room, we're going to have a leadership pipeline. I'm opening up to men and women in the church because I believe, ladies, you need to know how to write a Bible lesson. You need to know how to teach a class. You need to know theology. You're not called to preach and pastor a church. That's for men, according to the Word of God. But you are called to make disciples and to teach the younger the Word of God. So our leadership pipeline is going to start on August 17th. If, if you would say, I want to go deeper, I want to know the Word, then meet me here in the auditorium on August 17th on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. And we're going to walk together and move forward by the glory of God to pray and to seek Him in all of our classes, in all of our discipleship, in all of our children's ministry. We are going to charge into this fall with anticipation like our hair is on fire to reach people with the gospel and then to take care of the people that we have here and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that's not Tim's plan, that's God's plan? If you believe that, would you stand with me?